Where are you right now, Richard? I'm in the uh, the airport Sheraton in lovely Baltimore, Maryland. Their ESPN radio here is actually good. Ladies and gentlemen, brew yourself a glass of cider. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. You realize that? The whole world got crazy. Mad About Movies is an hour-long conversation concerning all things cinema. The first half of the show, we discuss movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings, and we talk about what's currently piquing our interest in the world of Hollywood. For the second half of the show, we go over our chosen movie of the week, and we give you guys our review. And as an added bonus, please stay tuned to the end of each episode for our weekly recommends, in which we suggest something you guys need to check out as soon as you can. This week, we are focusing our efforts on what, Brian? This week, we will be... (laughs) I couldn't even get through it. Uh, (laughs) This week, we will be discussing the masterpiece that is Now You See Me. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to rob a bank. On the count of three, you will be teleported through space and time to your bank in Paris. One, two, three... Yes, masterpiece. It's a piece of something. Uh, <laughs> that's for sure. But man, I if, you, if you're a fan of Mad About Movies podcast, you know how excited we are to talk about this one. Richard and I have seen it. Uh, Brian just saw it today, and uh, his thoughts are fresh. So we will be sure to break it down as best as we can. That is for sure. Uh, but I do want to mention, right off the top of the bat, just a little bit of good news uh, for the podcast. Our new website is up, and it is running. Uh Sweet. All of our archived episodes are now available uh, via madaboutmoviespodcast.com. So just uh, go there, uh, check it out. All our episodes are available for free for download. Uh, unlimited downloads. Send them to your friends. Uh, pirate them. Throw them on the internet. Do whatever you want with them. That's and right. uh, you can go on there and check out and find our Twitter names and uh, email the show and uh, learn more about how the podcast started and all that good stuff. So from now on... The home of this podcast is madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Beautiful. Uh, So let's uh, get things kicked off here with a little bit of movie news. I have a lot of stuff to talk about in movie news, uh, so I'll save mine, and I want to ask you guys. First of all, Brian, do you have anything you want to mention for movie news? Yeah, I jotted down a couple of things. I actually did a little little homework this week for once. Awesome. Uh, I didn't bring nothing to the table like normal. Um, we discussed last week, kind of in our movie news segment, uh, we had a little Will Smith slash After Earth talk. And uh, we basically said he will take any movie that comes his way that's guaranteed to make money. Um, uh-huh. And then this week he came out and maybe he heard the podcast. Maybe he heard us bashing on him. <laughs> maybe he just wanted to tune into Fast and Furious talk, which why wouldn't he? Right. Um, but uh, he, he uh, came out this week, Will Smith did, and said – he is not interested in doing Men in Black 4. Really? So, yeah. Wow. So maybe there's a, uh, a light at the end of the tunnel for, uh, for Will Smith fans like myself that want to see him get back to stuff that is, uh, that's decent. Not that Men in Black 3 was bad, but just that it's uh, not something that's up to so – the fourth one certainly would not be something that's up to his uh, level of ability. So right. maybe that's a good start. Maybe we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. Totally agree. That's that's actually really good news. Uh, mm-hmm. You wouldn't think that not having Will Smith involved in your movie would be good news, 
But I think this is really an opportunity for whoever the studio is. I don't what studio is is does Man of Black? Is it Paramount or? Uh, it's Sony, I'm not sure. Is it Sony? Maybe Sony. Yeah. Anyway, it's a good opportunity for them to kind of reboot the franchise. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. how much longer could Sony. they go with the Tommy Lee Jones Will Smith combo? You know what I mean? True. Uh, so that's exciting. Who is yeah. um, Richard? Who who would you like to see in Men in Black? Well, I, I would have to go with the original casting choices and go just Schwimmer and Matthew Perry, David Schwimmer and Matthew Perry. Yeah. Um, just like that's how it was originally casted, and I think that's you know what I want to see. No, I don't know. Um, oh god, they're both on top well, of their game uh, right now. So <laughs> they are. They are. They're peaking. It's like watching LeBron. Um, I would say. I don't know, man. I, I mean, you got to go Gosling, right? He'd be fun in that role. Yeah. Um, in the Will Smith kind of role. And then as the old guy. Oh, here we go. I want to see uh, Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges. Oh, wait. They are making that movie as RIPD? Okay. I was literally um, just about to say I would love to see that. Ryan Reynolds in Men in Black, but unfortunately they're already doing an RIPD, yeah, which is basically the exact <laughs> same thing. So I think he has that com- that comedic timing, though, that you would need in that you know yeah. kind of a physical actor. Um, I don't know. That's, it's interesting. I think, um, man, that's exciting news for sure. And that's really is an opportunity for them to kind of freshen up, you know, the franchise. I liked what they had done in Men in Black 3. Um, definitely felt, um, didn't feel contrived. You know what I mean? It didn't feel like they were just making it just to make Men in Black 3. It felt like part of the series. It felt natural. It, it, it really went off well. Maybe they'll bring, who knows, Josh Brolin back. I yeah, wouldn't, I wouldn't good. necessarily I, be opposed that to that. A, yeah, that was a really good part of uh, of that whole – that, that third one had much better story than you would expect a third movie in a series that comes out you know, 10 years after the original to have. So yeah. that, was, uh, that was a cool – I agree. I'm with you. But I don't necessarily need a fourth Men in Black in my life, and I certainly don't need – uh, Will Smith to continue to make them if you know totally. Hey Brian, a bit of breaking yep. news for you. because uh, yeah. we, we don't only just cover movies, we, we cover all ends of culture. Um there is a new Josh Hurt music video, Forever My oh. Lover. Oh no. Uh, just upload it. Just came out in the last minute or two. So Josh Hurt's Forever My Lover, check it out. Who is Josh Block- Hurt? Fill me hey, in. Hey, Kent, Kent, get on board. Be a blockhead for life. That's come on. Okay. He is a an artist that Brian and I were lucky to see at a talent show several years ago, and uh, he's a, he's interesting. He's a, he's the next R and B superstars, Kent. So just get on board. I I am on board now, guys. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for filling me in. Yeah. Get on YouTube and find the video for Midnight Racer. That uh, that'll change your whole perspective <laughs> on music. Midnight Racer, Josh Hurt. Is that his name? Yeah, Josh yeah. Hurt. Yep. So we'll, Write that down right now. Yeah, we'll link that. And then the imagine us watching it live with Steven. <laughs> <laughs> you can get the full experience. Yeah. That's great. Would you guys um would you guys be opposed to a woman in black, maybe? Maybe do a no, man woman combo? You know what that's I'm a saying? Good idea. Yeah. yeah. I think they I feel idea. like they've been trying to do that with every men in black movie. You know, especially the first one at the very end, it's kind of uh um, Will Smith yeah, and back. and the lady. Uh, I don't know who what her name was. Who was in the original? Yeah. But yeah, um, Dogma Girl. Linda. Yeah, Linda. Dogma. Can't but um, 
I feel like they've been trying to do that forever, but they just haven't done it. So, yeah, now is the time to reboot it, get some fresh faces in there, get it going, um, and liven up that franchise a little bit because um, it, it, it has potential, I think, for, for great movies. Uh, Richard, anything you want to mention for movie news? I, I don't. I've been traveling kind of uh, nuts. I, I, totally. I've been kind of out of the loop. Totally. Um, uh, this, we, sh- we should note that this is the first Mad About Movies with the three of us in three separate time zones as we broadcast. <laughs> yeah, that That's is right. true. It's got to be a new in, podcast. Uh, I'm still in the UK right now. Uh, Richard is in uh, Maryland. And yes, Brian, sir. you're back home, back in good old DFW, Texas. That's right. Holding That's it down. Right. How are things going in Texas right now, Brian? It's uh, uh, starting to get hot, so you know it's it's about to be that time of year. Right. But, uh, hey, other than that, can't complain. Gotta love Texas. So. Exactly. How's, how's the UK, Kent? UK is great. It's actually been very sunny over here. It's been about seventy degrees every day for the past four days, so it's very rare for that to happen, and it's been great. And I have been learning a lot about movies, and I'll I'll mention a movie later in weekly recommends that we've been talking about. So it's been a good Sweet. good experience so far. Awesome. Can't complain. Uh, something I want to mention for movie news that pertains to the United Kingdom. Bond 24 is starting to come together. And if you're a fan of the show, you know how much of a fan we were, us three, of Skyfall. Yeah. Well, um, we can rest assured, guys, a little bit, because Sam Mendes is coming back for the next Bond. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, He is. jumped out of my seat. Yeah, the... um, there were a couple rumors going around a few weeks ago. I meant to, men- meant to mention uh, in movie news that there was rumors going around that Christopher Nolan was actually in talks to uh, to mm. do the next Bond movie following his, his current movie, Interstellar, which he's filming right now. Uh, I guess that didn't work out, but I would have loved to see a Christopher Nolan Bond movie. I think all of us would have not been opposed to that at all. Totally. Uh, but having said uh, that, Sam Mendes is back. Uh, the franchise is in good hands once again. And do you guys think that he can top Skyfall, Brian? Um, I don't know that he can top it because, I, like I, like I said in our, our review of, of Skyfall, our, our Skyfall podcast, I said I think it's the best Bond movie of all time. So you, I don't know that you can necessarily top it, but I'm, I'm certainly more interested in a James Bond movie with Sam Mendes as the director than I than I am in moving it on to somebody else. You know what I mean? That's a I, I love what he did. Obviously, like I said, it's the best one of the series of the franchise. He left it in such a place that I I am I'm honestly more excited about the direction of the James Bond franchise than I've ever been before. So him coming back for the 24th movie, and I'd seen possibly the 25th movie as well, uh, is a is a boon for that franchise for sure. Yeah, Richard, thoughts on Sam Mendes coming back? Greatness. Uh, I'm probably a, a bigger fan of his other work even more than you two, and then I obviously love Skyfall just like you guys did. And uh, no, I'm I'm very very psyched. That's that's great news. That's yeah. huge news. So. Yeah, uh, I didn't know that. I'm 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 processing this right now. Uh, it's, sorry, podcast listeners, this is not very professional. No, this is great. This is uh, you know, obviously giving him, like you said, Brian, maybe another movie on top of it. Maybe make it to his own kind of mini trilogy within that canon. Sure, uh, could be very cool. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think the attention that movie got for the performances, you know, of Javier Bardem and people like that. Uh, I think he might be able to draw some 
some interesting actors uh, to the, you know, kind of ancillary roles. Right. Outside I'll, of Mr. Uh, Mr. Craig. I'll mention one here in a second, but um, I felt like Skyfall was definitely the first, you know, in a series of three. You know, it, it really set up the story, set up the characters. And sure. you really didn't get an understanding of who the characters were going to be until the last act or the last scene of the movie, really. So it's going to be interesting to see what what Mendez can do with the new characters he's created here, you know, with Naomi Harris and Ben Whishaw and Ralph Fiennes. And um, this Bond franchise is going to get really, really exciting. Um, It's very youthful now. You know, it's not not old Q and old M roaming around. You know, it's it's very youthful and it's very – 2013, you know. Um, I haven't heard if Daniel Craig's coming back. I'm assuming he is. Um, but another rumor about this movie that I've seen is Penelope Cruz, rumored to be the next Bond girl. And I actually mm. had to do a double take whenever I heard the news because I was like, surely she's been a Bond girl already. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like seems so obvious. Um, so, Brian, thoughts on Penelope Cruz possibly uh, entering the Bond franchise? You know, this will sound maybe sacrilegious to Bond fans. The Bond girl is probably my the least interesting thing about the Bond movies to me. Like I don't I really uh, don't care. It's just a it's just a pretty girl. Uh, it's, I mean, you're, boobs. we should Let's preface this by saying that I mean, Brian is a eunuch. He's, so I mean, <laughs> right. he's not going right. to have yeah. Right, exactly. Um, no, it's, eunuch it's, with a child, by the way. Right, right. It's, it's yeah, weird. well, it's a weird thing. No, I was, uh, and, and Brian, Brian, um, by the way, you're you're welcome. <laughs> That's why his name is Richard. Um, <laughs> no, I I don't really. None of the the Bond girls. I just don't care that much about it, and I really don't care about Penelope Cruz. I don't know that Penelope Cruz has ever been in a movie in which she speaks English that I care about or yeah. find it's her appealing. Right. Yeah. Or whatever that was. I mean, Vanilla Sky, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's so to sum up, I don't, I don't really care. I don't know how she could, it's not like I think, man, Penelope Cruz is in this. It's going to suck. It's not like she and I don't know up, that yeah. she's going to add anything to it in my, in my view either. Yeah. Um, well, well, I agree, man. The Bond, the Bond girl is just a pair of boobs, really. It's yeah. a distraction for the audience. It's a cliche that has to be there. Um, can't be any any worse than Denise Richards, though, as a scientist, right. as a as a nuclear <laughs> nuclear physicist. Yeah, uh, <laughs> totally um, believable. Uh, yeah, it would be. It, would, it might have been worse, like say Amanda Bynes gets cast. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the only no, step down from Denise Richards at this point. Actually, maybe a step up. It could be really interesting. Maybe Amanda Bynes is the villain. <laughs> oh, right. You know, half-shaved head, kind of scary. Scar tissue on her oh. face. Uh, that's that's a topic for another day, though. Could be the um, next Joker. <laughs> yeah, that is true. The only question is know here... How I got my stars? <laughs> the only question is here, guys, is... Is what what scenes from The Dark Knight Rises is Sam Mendes going to rip off for this movie? <laughs> yeah, there's not a uh, Christopher Nolan movie for him to uh, to base it off of, so that, yeah. that could be a detriment of the franchise. We're going to expect no, a woman in in tights, you know. We're gonna expect <laughs> Bond to fly a F sixteen with a nuclear <laughs> missile out into the middle of the ocean. Uh, 
We'll, we'll see though. No, I, I'm saying that all all in jest because I love Skyfall. But um, yeah. So we'll have to see on that one. Um, Brian, anything else you want to mention for movie news? I got a couple other things, but sure. I wanted to ask you. I'll bring up one more thing, and it's more it's TV, not movie. But okay. Um, and I don't know where you stand on this this series, Kent, but I know Richard was a big watcher. Uh, this week they officially announced, NBC did, uh, that Dan Harmon is going to be coming back to Community as the showrunner um, for its fifth season, which will probably be 13 episodes that'll do the same thing as they did this year. will come out in you know February or March, something something mid-season like that. Um, and so I, I, I wanted to get, uh, I want to get Richard's thoughts on that and, and hear, can, I don't know if you're a watcher of that, of that show, uh, or if you have any, right. any opinion on the matter. Yeah. Uh, uh, go ahead, Richard. Uh, yeah, big fan of the show. Uh, obviously it has Allison Brie in it, so I, I have to <laughs> legally, uh, right. you know, stay away. Uh, but, uh, no, but it's a great show. Honestly, this year I thought it was very good, but. It, there was kind of something missing for it this year, maybe because I'm a big fan of Harmon's writing. I knew he was gone, so maybe I went into it with certain expectations. Uh, so I, I'm actually still like three or four episodes behind. I didn't finish the season yet, which has never been the case in seasons before. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm really excited. I love Dan Harmon. I love his writing style. Um, I think that show is really fun and, and uh, kind of important as far as carrying that weight after maybe 30 Rock of, uh, you know, kind of that more absurdist, uh, almost sketch-driven TV comedy, but also keeping a single narrative. Um, and, no, I, I love I love Harmon's writing. I think he's kind of crucial. His, his kind of knowledge of context of pop culture in which to put that show uh, is, is crucial, in my opinion. So I'm excited. And just, you know, bring back Chevy, and we're good. Just kidding. Ugh. Yeah. Don't yeah. Care. You don't like Chevy Chase, Brian? No. Hate Chevy Chase as a person really? and as a performer. <laughs> Hate him, yeah. Christmas I mean, Vacation, Ryan. Right? Come it. on. Oh, dude, he was great. Clark, in the w- you're talking about Clark W. Griswold here. Come hey, on. Hey, great in the early Vacation movies. Great in Three Amigos. Great in the first season of Saturday Night Live. And his, you know, his early stuff through, I don't know, when did Three Amigos come out? Eighty six, eighty seven, uh, eighty six. Yeah. Uh, pretty much from there on, I could not care less about anything he's ever done, and he's one of the worst human beings in Hollywood, in my opinion. So, yeah, that's take Agreed. that, Chevy. Uh, <laughs> I loved Christmas Vacation and Vacation. Uh, yeah, ninety percent of that had to do with John Hughes being a bring, being a genius, but um, I thought the Griswold family was just so funny, and I thought I thought Chevy Chase is great in that. But but um, unlike you, Brian, I haven't seen much of his work. So I can't really, really hate him. So as far as community goes, um, I would say that I am a fan of the series. I wouldn't say that I am caught up. Uh, I've seen probably half a dozen to a dozen episodes. I catch probably two, maybe three a season, depending on, you know, I catch the Halloween special and things like that. Sure. But the show is so creative and so out of the box that it's just... It reminds me of Arrested Development in a lot of ways, which we'll talk about in next week's uh, podcast. But there's so much going on there that it really takes a fan to to know exactly what's going on. I mean, it's similar also in the fact that it's been on the bubble with the network for years. Uh, It actually got canceled for a while and brought back like a year later um, because the fan outcry was so crazy. But, I mean, it's one that I like. I mean, I like the performers. I I think Donald Glover has has some good moments. Uh, Joel yeah. McHale is also 
I'm a huge fan of his. Obviously, I've mentioned that before on the on the podcast. But um, yeah, Alison Brie. Alison Brie, of course. I yeah. mean, she's an angel. So, uh, Sorry, what, else, Allison, what else can be said? Alison Bard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alison Bard. Um, uh, yeah, I am. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, it's I am, uh, that's, that's really good news excited. for that show. I can't believe it got brought back. I'm shocked it got brought back. Yeah, same here. Same. Here. Well, and that that's part of the problem is that they. You know, they stripped what? it of its comedic genius for for the fourth season. Basically, basically made it clear that there was no way it was going to come out, so or it's going to come back. So everybody just kind of bailed on it and stopped caring. And then they're like, "Oh, by the way, we're we're going to do thirteen more." And and now Harmon's back. I I'm interested to see if if it's too little, too late. Um, if if the damage has already been done, because the fourth season is fine. It's fine. It's just it. Richard, you said it quite well it, it lacks the the heart and the soul that made it such a weird cool um completely unique sitcom it it much it, it very much tried to be a a more traditional sitcom and that and it, it lost itself in that so i'm i'm interested to see if if, if with Harmon involved if it can recover from that or if fifth season is just going to be one of those that you you know you think oh gosh i just wish it would have been canceled and and done with so i didn't have to sit through this anymore yeah, well, what is what does NBC have to lose on this? You know, they they have no shows. Yeah, literally. They well, have and nothing. yeah, and that's why it's back, and, and which is goes to show. Uh, I I think we've talked about this before. It goes to show NBC has no idea what they're doing right now, and right. Um, that they continually they fail to maximize the assets that they have in search of bigger and brighter things. But then they're so bad at developing bigger and brighter things that it's a, it's a it's it's been like they've been in a, a circle or a cycle for for five or six years now of continually trying to replace things that are good but aren't drawing ratings and they don't know how to advertise. They're always trying to replace them with something that will draw ratings. Um, and then, but but the shows that they put in their places are so bad that you can't that they don't get ratings. It's this weird uh, cycle that they can't find a way to get out of. And I think community parks and recreation is is. It's shocking to me. Uh, Parks and Rec is probably my favorite show on television these days, and mm-hmm. it's shocking to me that it's been able to stay as good as it has for uh, five seasons now, despite the fact that it's continually caught in this web of you're probably going to get canceled, and then well, we're going to go ahead and bring you back because Whitney sucked so bad. Who could have seen that coming? And um, and so they're just per- perpetually <laughs> perpetually uh, spinning their wheels. Uh, you know, and I think community definitely caught the 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 front end of that uh, this year. It, it looked it it wasn't uh, able to gather its legs the way that parks parks and recreation has been able to over and over again over the last couple of years. Yeah, Brian. Yeah, it's NBC's put a lot of uh, business executives in charge of their their comedy department, and these people are not comedians. They don't really understand what makes funny shows, and so uh, they they ruin all the funny pilots they get. Uh, with their notes, but Brian, I meant to ask you because you're kind of with me. You're you're not a person that's ever watched any CBS shows. Are you prepared to live in a world because CBS is so behind on the times, right? And they've yeah. always had these, you know, while 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 all the other networks with The Office and Arrested Development, and Modern Family, and all these shows went to the single camera form. Uh, CBS, because it's run by you know Les Moonves, who's 149 years old, right. always stayed traditional with the the three camera sitcom, the uh, How I Met Your Mothers, and the uh, uh, you know, two and a half men and stuff like that. But now, because they're so far behind on the times, every new show they have next year 
is a uh, is a single camera. So are, are right. we prepared to live in a world where, as single camera fans, we're, we're watching CBS now? Like that new Robin Williams show is supposedly kind of funny, and like I don't I don't really know what to do. Yeah, well, I mean, it's going to depend on the obviously it depends on the content, but in some ways, that would be the greatest thing in the world for us if. <laughs> If somehow, because CBS draws <laughs> ratings no matter what they put on the air, it's not just yeah, that they, no. they, it's not just that they they market towards the older audiences that watch TV live and not on DVR. It's that I don't know. Some they've made a deal they with get the ratings. They they yeah. they get the older ratings. Like the, you know the that's why Tom Selleck's Blue Bloods is still oh, yeah. there. You know because yeah. they 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 get to that that adult audience is so consistent. Right. That right. sixty so, minutes watching audience, you know. It's, so maybe things them that sound better than they are. <laughs> yeah, adult yeah. audience. Right. right. <laughs> so maybe them putting on a single camera, a, a a set of shows that are single camera is the is what single camera needs. You know what I mean? Maybe that's how we get to watch a show for eight or nine years that is both good and also draws ratings, which is never. I don't. It's like never happened since we've. I don't know. In the last ten years, it seems like. Um, I don't know. That's that's yeah. an interesting question, Richard, for sure. Brian, uh, um, I want to ask you, and you you um, you've been kind of researching this this pilot season for this coming fall. What does yeah. what does NBC have coming up uh, this fall? I, mean, I we don't know we have, have we know we have Parks and Rec, um, right. Hannibal, Revolution, Hannibal. What else? I don't have it in front of me. I, I mean, because they've canceled everything. They yeah. got they. I mean, The Office is gone. Thirty Rock is gone. That Matthew Perry uh, go, goon go show on. yeah is gone uh, yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah they've got like nothing um, they they greenlit a bunch of pilots and just, I mean it's the same they did the same thing last year but here's your here's your Thursday night lineup okay so they oh, moved Parks Parks yeah, and Recreation okay. to seven which is terrible don't don't do that that's the only show you have coming back that should have gone to eight or, or excuse me we should go I guess we should go off the Eastern time slots but. Uh, they should have moved Parks and Recreation to nine to take over the office. Uh, so Parks and Recreation starts at eight o'clock. Then you have Welcome to the Family, which I can't remember what that one's about at all. Um, I'm vamping. Yeah. Then we have you. You look up what that is. Then we have yeah. something called Sean Saves the World, and that's a Sean Hayes show. Oh so goodness! It'll be off the air by by December. There's no question. Right. Uh, and then, and then they follow it with the have... Michael J. Fox show, well, that can uh, which I will watch. Which I'll yeah, exactly. I'll watch it no matter what. But it, who knows if it's going to be <laughs> if it's going to be good? I hope so. I mean, everybody loves then, Michael J. Fox, but um, yeah. We'll and then they close it with Parenthood, which is actually smart on their part, moving that to Thursday because that's like the only show they have that a lot of people watch. That's actually really right. smart because that's right. just been stuck on like what Sunday nights forever. Yeah. I can't even remember. I watched the first like two seasons of Parenthood and then fell off of it. Um, but it is a good show. But it also is is another one that suffers from the NBC syndrome, where it's it's been rumored to be canceled like three times. And so yeah, you lose. You know, last season was supposed to be its last season. In fact, and, and I think they ran like twenty of the twenty three episodes straight, like to start the season, start the year. So they were trying to run them off and then replace it with something else, but guess what? Nothing else worked. And so it's man, I I am really excited for our our pilot watching uh podcast that we'll do this fall because NBC yeah. and CBS especially are gonna be so interesting to see what in the world 
what we're going to get because the like you said richard this this weird phenomenon where cbs is so far behind but maybe that's going to make them <laughs> the show the channel that we're actually going to want to watch somehow um is an interesting yep. thing and then nbc just Whoa. constantly grasping at straws uh, i like picturing like the people at cbs like hey uh have you ever seen this british show the office we should yeah. we should remake that oh that's been <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, I guess we could, they shoot it like a movie, like a single camera. I didn't know you could even do that. Um, yeah. I mean, what is it? 2012? Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and greenlit, greenlight some of these. No, the only, it's so funny that they are that far behind, but like you said, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be, it's going to be great for us. It'll be weird watching CBS that when I'm not, the only thing I watch on CBS is football, David Letterman and CBS Sunday morning, which I turned you on to Brian and that's it. I've never watched a single. Yeah, but I'm a I'm a meet the press guy. Um, ah, I gotta go, Bob Schaefer, guys. TCU. I understand. Gotta support. I understand TCU. I, I gotta meet the press, though. Oldest television show in history. That's true. Um, so I, I'm all about history. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting. And then also, obviously, also, NBC also has the James Spader led The Blacklist, which yeah. you know I'll be there for totally. at least a couple episodes on that. You gotta right. see what that's about. Right. Um, it seems like uh, maybe ABC's time is to step up right now. You know, uh, I think they've got the Marvel series coming out, Agents of Shield. Yeah. And that seems yeah. to have the most buzz going into the fall, as far as a yep. built-in audience already. So uh, that seems like it's the show to beat right now. And they just renewed the uh, Tim Allen, the Last Man Standing guys. So yeah. So there we go. I haven't seen. That. Yeah. I saw actually saw sure. an episode of that where um, Jonathan Taylor Thomas guest starred from Home Improvement. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> it was actually really funny. Like they were sitting in Tim Allen's new family, I guess, sitting in their living room, and then knock on the door, and it gets it's his daughter's friend, is Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and he, he uh, uh, answers the door, and then JTT walks in, and he's like, "Do I know you from somewhere? <laughs> like you're like really familiar to me." And there was this really like fun, kind of funny moment, you know. Uh, but, I mean, how much more can they, you know, knock on home improvement? Yeah, I, I know the guy The I worked with the guy, Kevin Hench, uh, who's the head writer on that show. I worked with him when I worked at the Corolla podcast. Uh-huh. And uh, he was working there at the time. And he was he's a super funny guy. So I, I yeah. wish that show well, but I've, ne- I've never seen it. Yeah, neither have I. Um, anything else you guys want to mention for movie news? No. no that's all I got. Uh, let's, get, let's get going. Let's get it going. <laughs> Let's get it going. Uh, let's move on and let's talk about Now You See Me. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh, it's sourced from local farms, and there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now, and they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. 
So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Come in close. Because the more you think you see, the easier it'll be to fool you. All right, Brian Gill. <laughs> the time has come. Uh, oh. it's, it's been a while. I, I, I believe, I believe uh, it was the Iron Man 3 episode, Don't Hold Me to That, where Richard and I had a little rants and rave segment of our own uh, regarding Now You See Me. Um... Richard and I had a chance to go attend an early screening of this film, and we'll mm. give our thoughts on it a little bit later uh, and refresh you on that. But first, Brian Gill, thoughts on Now You See Me? I, <laughs> I, I'm going to say one thing in, not necessarily in defense, but on the, on the positive side. I think that you, you two and, and I and, and movie critics – and wannabe movie critics and the people that see a hundred movie, hundred new movies a year. I think that we are probably going to enjoy this movie less obviously than the standard audience. Will the person that only gets to see maybe a couple of movies a month or something like that. Um, it's because I will say it is, there are at least moments that are slightly entertaining if you're not uh, aware of the closing credits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not Walking, saying I enjoy that them. walk yeah. that walk no, from I the know seat what you mean, to Brian. the uh, I know what you mean. concessions. My yeah. popcorn was good. Right, right. It was I, good. There there are there are spots in the movie that if you're not paying attention to how god awful the, the script <laughs> the story and the film technique is um, you could, you could enjoy this movie. I, you know, I came home and I was, I was kind of talking about it with, with my wife and she kind of said, Oh, that doesn't sound that bad. And I'm like, you're, you're probably right. If you're not somebody who watches, if you're not like us and you don't watch, I don't know how, I mean, how, how many movies a year do you, do you guys see in the theater? I would say I'm, oh. I'm probably in the, I probably see fifty or seventy five movies to a year. Fifty to seventy five, yeah. And 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 we we have a podcast, and we're very good at this, obviously. Um, and so we, you know, we're geared to think critically uh, about things. And I realize this is this this episode is coming on the heels of our last episode, in which I talked about how smart the Fast and the Furious series is. So maybe right. maybe we're just, maybe I'm just an <laughs> idiot, but. Um, 
No, I so I, I feel like that needs to be led off by saying if if you don't watch movies from a critical standpoint, if you don't see seventy five movies a year in a theater Go see I, Fast and Furious Six twice. <laughs> go see Fast and Furious Six. But I understand at least how you could be this is gonna sound super pretentious and filmed. Entertained. Dirt, but I, I understand how you could be tricked into being entertained by this movie because it it's real fast and flashy and it and it goes at a really a dumb fast level pace and so <laughs> if you're not looking for the things that are really really wrong with this then you could maybe get away with not seeing them that said this right, might be great. the worst let's get into it <laughs> yeah this might be the worst non horror script that has ever made it to a to a theater <laughs> it's there is Brian. This script has been online and out since like 2008. Oh. Oh, it's been man. like circling around Hollywood for ages, and uh, it just now made it to the theater. And somebody was brave enough to greenlight it. Um, I it made some money. I mean, it did all right. Yeah, yeah, it did. And the guy half, who wrote half this... of the reason though is because it had so many stars yeah. in it. And yeah, it was cast. full oh, of yeah. stars. Like, imagine this movie with. A bunch of no names. Right. Like what would people be thinking of this movie if there were all it was all new people in it, you know? Right. The, here's the here's what's fascinating to me. Somebody needs to write a book about the convolutedness is that a word? I don't know. Um of who gets credit for for a screenplay. Um because I'm looking at, at the guys who wrote this movie this movie. And I, I'm looking in particular at uh, Ed Solomon's page, okay? Ed Solomon, to his credit, has Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which is a great 80s movie. Uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which is an okay early 90s movie. And he has screen story credit on Men in Black. Um, yeah. Those are... That's, that's solid. But he also is responsible for Imagine That, which is the Eddie Murray <laughs> movie. Which is just horrible. The in-laws well, are just pretty let's, horrible. Let's, let's make sure it's Eddie Murphy because it, oh, it does not star former <laughs> Baltimore Orioles great Eddie Murray. Let's just be sure we we correct that. Although that would probably yeah. be a better movie if it was. Yeah, it, it, it couldn't have been worse. Uh, oh, he, he has credit for, for episodes of, of Gary Shandling's show, but he's also got Super Mario Brothers oh movie. Um, the in-laws, Charlie and, uh, Charlie's Angels. I mean... So I want to know which of these he's actually responsible for and which he just like had two lines of input in because it can't be this the same person cannot be responsible for the Gary Shandling show and now you see me because this is a horrific script there is there is no part, no part of this movie that makes even an an ounce of sense um, oh come on there's nothing. There's, There's nothing. I can't wait to get into specifics, but keep talking. Yeah, well, we should we should we should say up front to the listener, we are gonna just we're all we're we're gonna go so far into <laughs> specifics today, and I don't care anything about spoilers because this movie is crap. I hope, like, I hope I spoil this movie for all of you. <laughs> I hope I ruin it because you don't need to go see it. I hope you were planning to go see it. You accidentally listen to this podcast, have it spoiled, and go see Fast and Furious Six again. Yes. That's my wish because if you're going to see this, don't. And I'm just going to say right now, I'm not saying spoiler alert, but Mark Ruffalo's this magician the whole time. <laughs> and screw you if you're going to go see it anyway. 
Uh, it's, <laughs> okay. So, so let's. I, I want to get into specifics with you guys, but I again, the script is is appalling. Um, there's nothing that the, the dialogue is horrific. The the sequence of events makes just just no sense. There are so many things that happen that you would th- surely this script started out as like. 500 pages long and then they just cut it down without without any yeah. any understanding of what put what made the story cohesive there's all sorts of things that happen that you think sure something had to have happened off you know behind the behind the scenes for us to understand this uh right. you just have to jump and you have to you you either have to say wait why did that happen or you just have to say well i guess so, you know you have to assume that stuff happened off screen that doesn't that also doesn't make any sense um, I mean, guys, it's just so bad. And the direction, which was, I think was Kent's big thing in, in our mini review yeah. in, in the Iron Man episode, yeah. the direction is just, I mean, never <laughs> direct a movie again bad. And I'm, ugh, the spinning camera is infuriating. You have um, to see it for yourself, honestly. Like yes, I, I told you about it, Brian, and it's nothing until you see it for yourself. Yeah. You know, it's that it's bad. So like, like I was telling my girlfriend, it's like, yeah, there's. It's a movie about magic tricks. She's like, that's kind of cool. I go, it would be, except you can't tell what the hell the magic tricks are because the camera's moving at seventy four miles an hour. It's like driving down the freeway while a guy does a card <laughs> trick on the shoulder. And yes. then being like, well, I don't know how he did that. Well, of course you don't know how he did that. You can't right. see what's going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the quote-unquote action sequences in this movie, too, they move at such a, fa- at such a pace. That you Again, you can't tell what's happening. So any of the big reveal, it's like, oh, that was really cool. Well, how do you know it was really cool? Because it was. It might as well have been in the dark. I don't – I have no idea what happened. It was just flashing images um, that you're supposed to ooh and awe over. I, I really did the the I don't know how you pronounce the director's name. He's French, so Louis Letier. Louis Letier. Yeah, Letier. Letier. Yeah, okay, sure. I want to punch him in the face. Um, it's <laughs> didn't he make the transporter movies? Yeah, he did. And he did. And, he did the Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton. I thought that was pretty decent, though. It actually. was, and and surely because he was working with Marvel, you know, whoever is a producer on the on on that Kevin movie, Feige. Like, yeah, Kevin Feige was like, yeah, you're not going to do any of this crap. Uh, you're not going to spin the camera at 1,000 miles per hour. And you're yeah. also not going to shoot all of your <laughs> all of your, your close-up sequences from the ground. I, I cannot stand that, that film technique where the camera is basically at, the, at knee level of whoever the, they're filming. Um, yeah. And that is a big player in this show. Uh, and, and it's just – it's infuriating. Um, and so – Anyway, now you see me uh, is from on every level is horrible, and uh, I'm excited to talk about the specific reasons for it being horrible. Besides the horrific script and the please don't ever direct again direction. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about specifics. Let's talk about the acting first, Brian. Um, my my I could not stand one performance in this movie. Um, I think Mark Ruffalo's performance probably was the most bearable, if I was to say to say one. <laughs> other than the reveal at the end, where he, he he was behind the whole thing, which makes absolutely no sense considering the stuff he's yeah. saying throughout the whole film. <laughs> yes. Like I'm gonna catch these well, guys, and he's like determined, but he's not determined. So I mean, it's well, like he's, he's four steps ahead. Yeah, he's four <laughs> steps ahead of you. I'm gonna be uh, four steps ahead of you. Um, well, seven. 
seven steps. I don't know. Uh, 80 geez. steps. Um, yeah. But every performance is absolutely horrible. Um, Richard, what did you think? You you thought Isla Fisher's was the worst, right? Yeah, she was the worst in it for me. Something about her was just really shrill. Thank God for Arrested Development because I, I learned how to love her again because I've always right. loved her. Uh, so thank God I saw Arrested Development this week and, and uh, fell for her all over again. But uh, yeah, she's got, I don't know. Maybe she has a voice that just can't scream and she screams all kinds. Yeah. Uh, and she's like trying to fire the crowd up the whole time. No, the There's movie literally is... no point in her being in this movie. <laughs> she contributes literally she... nothing to this. She movie. really does. nothing I in the plot that. whatsoever, except like, like waving her arms and like being a woman. You know what I mean? It's like nothing. Yeah. It's so oh, ugh. And, um, and the other thing, the other thing was I. I, I just have to bring this up because I know Brian's a big fan as am I. Hey, remember when we were talking about how bad this movie was, Brian? And you go, but Woody Harrelson's in it, and Kent right. goes, he's yeah. in it, he's awful, and you yeah. go, no. Well, yeah. let's hear it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He had he had maybe the – I will say he was probably responsible for the two or three best lines in the movie, but he also was just so bad at every other stretch. I mean the script did him no favors either because one yeah, of you guys said he comes across as like a borderline deviant. A pedophile. Like, I said yeah, pedophile. Like some sort of pedophile, <laughs> and that's – so true. Like this is the grossest character that he's ever played, and he doesn't ever do anything that's. that's he was a natural born killer. Yes, I know, I know. It's it's like James Spader <laughs> level of creepy, but not good. Like I, I mean, he's so bad. I I'm gonna disagree with you, Kent. I think Mark Ruffalo was the worst part of the movie. I could <laughs> really? not stand his character. Uh, at when he was an FBI agent early on, it was just. I felt like, I felt like I was watching. <laughs> I felt like I was watching Bruce Banner in like a mid-level range between scientist Bruce Banner and the Hulk because like everything he said was like caveman-esque. Like he was just grunting. Like I expected him to rip his shirt off and just – I mean it was – like when he's banging around in the plane when somebody's clearly – I guess is kicking his seat or something and he just like – he's like hitting the, hitting the seat and turning around and staring at that. It yeah. was so yeah. bad and – <laughs> Everything, every time he was on screen, I was just like, I'm going to, I, I, first of all, I'm not a Mark Ruffalo fan. I think maybe oh, me either. Yeah. Avengers was the first thing that he's done in like 10 years that I, I didn't, I didn't really dislike. So this just brought me right back to where I was before, before Avengers of man. I just, I don't like you. I don't find you charismatic. Um, and him, I just, man, I, the, the stuff that he was doing was just so bad. And then when it flips and you find out, well, you could probably see that coming from about 17 miles away, but whatever. Uh, the the flip, you know, once he starts revealing his true nature, it's like, oh my god, it's just, it's even worse. He's even worse. I just, I, I couldn't yeah. stand his character. I, all of them were bad. All of them. Jesse Eisenberg. I, I'm gonna give him a slight pass in that it seemed clear to me that he knew this is a piece of crap, and I'm not even gonna try. Um, and so, not that. I, I don't know. Uh, I, he's terrible. He's so bad in this movie. But maybe he was smart enough to realize this is awful, and I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna put my my effort into this. Um, whereas Isla Fisher is clearly trying, and Dave Franco too, who I like. Dave Franco. He's my favorite of the Franco brothers. But man, he's so bad in this movie. And and he, he and Isla Fisher are trying so hard to be 
to be compelling characters and they're just they're not at all and oh man all the performances I want to mention the airplane scene that you just mentioned uh Woody Harrelson (laughs) like like the scene starts out and they just show the four horsemen on the airplane and then Woody Harrelson like does something like he comes out of the bathroom or something he's like sorry I was (laughs) masturbating (laughs) like you know like something so perverted and just like out of nowhere not even funny Uh, yeah. yeah, it's just. Um, but yeah, a, uh, it it's. Uh, I agree with you, Jesse Eisenberg. Um, what what is going on with him, man? Like his career. Ugh. He had. It's he, not going well. I mean, that's not, for sure. It's not going well. But what? Um, let's talk about um, Morgan Freeman and and Michael Caine. Now, Brian, I know you're a fan of both of their their work. We've talked sure. about them numerous times before in the show. Uh, why, why on earth did they agree to do this? Morgan Freeman is one is a guy who I talked about Bruce Willis at some point in the past on our on our on our podcast, and of how Bruce Willis is a guy that knows that there's nothing that he can do that can ruin his career, so he can take any movie. That comes his way because nothing's ever going to sully his image. Uh, I think Morgan Freeman is kind of in that same boat, despite the fact that those two are obviously so much different in the type of movies that they do. But Morgan Freeman does this from time to time where he just shows up in these really crappy low rent action or kind of really sappy drama movies that uh, are really no one cares about because because it's never going to affect him. Um, for some reason, he is just unflappable. It's not; it, it never comes back to to bite him in the butt. And Michael Caine is on record as saying that he'll basically take any movie that comes his way. That sometimes you just have to take a paycheck, and that's all that it is. I will say, at least Morgan Freeman's character has a point to be in this movie. Um, you know, he plays a fairly significant role in the in the the turn of events. Michael Caine could have been played by my grandfather like it, there's no i mean there's there's absolutely no point for for I, i'd love to know how much he got paid to be in this movie because they could have they could have paid a a scale actor to play his same role and it wouldn't have made any difference whatsoever um yeah I, he, he literally you Comment know on his ridiculous costume by the way the first scene they show him in he's in like a top hat yeah. What is he wearing? Like a, <laughs> I don't even. He looks know. like a Jimi I, Hendrix costume or something. It's, it's so dumb. It's just so dumb. <laughs> there are so many things in this movie. I think I'm sure we've said it before, but maybe the the best mark of a, of a great script and of a great movie is that no scene and no line is wasted. And this is like this movie's like seventy percent wasted lines and wasted scenes that have no bearing on yeah. anything that's happening in the movie. Um, there are so many. Dude, guys, are you guys familiar with? Yeah, are you familiar with with the tone with the the term MacGuffin and what that stands for in the movies? Okay, yes. This entire script is a MacGuffin. Like everything that happens is a MacGuffin. Everything that happens in the movie has no makes no (laughs) sense except in the context of that line or that scene in the movie to drive that particular. Scene. My favorite thing in the whole movie, and I mean favorite in the worst sense possible, is when random FBI agent, he literally says, and you guys talked about this before, but he literally says, hey, 
You remember how Jesse Eisenberg's character is a big control freak and he makes all of the other magicians wear tracking bracelets? Well, we got the tracking signal. And it's just... Yeah. You're just supposed to believe that that because because he's a control freak, he makes his other comed- his other <laughs> magicians wear tracking bracelets for literally no reason. There is no reason why they yeah. should be tracking yeah. they are literally guys <laughs> literally all on the same stage they're within 20 feet of each other <laughs> the entire time so what is the purpose of them wearing tracking bracelets i, I mean and it's stuff like that was, that just happens i'm more bummed that uh, that e-track didn't get that product placement because i was hoping for a mcgruber <laughs> uh this would be an excellent uh commercial for their product right like right. in mcgruber but you guys, uh, right. let's be honest Richard, you guys would have gotten no business after yeah, you might be thinking right now you're in this movie. No, yeah. it's uh, it doesn't. None of it makes any sense. It's a it jumps from place to place. The there's never any intelligent reveal on on any of them. I, I guess the first trick that they do gets a reveal, but the second one it's just oh well we stole your password because we knew your mother's maiden name. Are you freaking kidding me? Um, this guy's worth 140 billion dollars and or 140 million dollars and. He has the same password protection for his bank accounts that I do. I mean, come on. That's yeah. – it's just – it's idiocy. And the third – He uses trick, Chase.com, yeah. Yeah. For his yeah. $140 million. So, hey, yeah. Brian, just randomly, like, what's your mother's maiden, <laughs> mother's maiden name? <laughs> uh, but the third bit that they do where they jump off the, the roof, there's never any reveal for how they accomplish that. And also, why does Mark <laughs> Ruffalo's character fire a gun at them? I don't. I don't know. I mean – it doesn't <laughs> it's just so stupid it's so stupid <laughs> and and i think maybe wor- the worst thing about it is that i felt like the movie wanted me as a critic to pick to pinpoint all the things that are wrong with it and then tell me that i'm wrong for picking out the things that are wrong with it does that make mm-hmm. any sense you guys feel that way like it yeah. it felt like it was all, it was very smug in its approach to the whole thing of you know yeah well if you're if you're not uh, if you're picking this apart if you then you just don't get it man you know that's how I felt like you just don't get that this is entertainment no it's not entertainment it's a piece of crap it's awful um, and I I can't believe that uh, I man I just can't believe that this even got made the the whole premise that magicians are somehow cool and awesome is is insane to begin with like the whole thing is based <laughs> yeah. on a fallacy that anyone. That there are that there are millions of people in this world, billions even, who are just so enthralled by magicians. No, no one who doesn't, who's not in Vegas right now at a David Copperfield show, gives a crap about magic. Magicians are the whole thing is magic is stupid, and it, I I don't know. I, you know what's the most frustrating is that fact that they went to David Copperfield and David Blaine and <laughs> and all these people as consultants, but there's not one magic trick in the movie. No. no. Not yeah. one. Not, no. There's not one like, oh, that was cool. You know, like you would see David right. Copperfield do a trick. There's a card trick at the very beginning that Jesse Eisenberg does, and that's it. Right. And then from then on, all they're doing is stealing money from, from bank accounts. That's the magic right. trick. There's no magic in it at yeah. all. Do you know what I mean? Like name one it's, magic it's, trick it's, they do. No, there aren't any. Everything they do is is CGI uh, tricks or, or, or bank heists. And uh, and and Dave Franco picking a lock every once in a while. I mean, that's it's just yeah. Oh man, it's, it's just, just stupid. It, um, what's most 
most frustrating that I, I mentioned uh, in our mini-review was the fact that the audience loved this movie. Uh, <laughs> so, Brian, tell us, tell us how the audience in your screening reacted to Now You See Me. <laughs> I had a much better audience than you guys did. There were a few people that were laughing and stuff, and at one point... I think it it wasn't the first bit, but it wasn't the end either. I think it I think it was the uh, the New Orleans thing where they where they 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 robbed from uh, from Michael Caine. Two people in my two I could hear I could distinctly tell that it was two people started clapping when the uh, reveal came through, which is a pet peeve of mine. Like stop stop clapping in a movie. That's uh, we don't need this anymore. But yeah. they started clapping, and somebody else from the other side of the theater goes shut up. So <laughs> I I. Uh, I felt like the audience was much more in tune with my thinking. There were very few laughs um, at the moments when clearly this movie was desperately begging you to laugh, even though it wasn't funny at all. Um, so I, 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 uh, it did restore my faith in humanity just a little bit um, that that uh, nobody else really cared and, and and was was buying into the the garbage that they were trying to sell us. So that. That definitely helped my opinion of, of the movie because um, there's nothing worse than watching a piece of crap unfold on the on the screen and having everybody else around you die laughing. Like it's just, oh, I can't can't stand that. So Richard, uh, I had it better than y'all. Richard, what, what's what's, what's going through your mind? I know you've got you got a lot to say. <laughs> um, you know, I was texting my friend Brandon after I saw Django. <laughs> and uh, we were talking and I said you know the best thing I could say about this movie is I can't get it out of my head I can't stop thinking about all the moments that made this movie great I, I've even liked some movies more than I like Django but Django really stuck with me as far as like what the cool moments in Django I couldn't stop thinking about them sure um, this movie's kind of the inverse of that in that I think about it all the time still but just about all the stuff that was so bad about it um, yeah when we left the theater, I said, you know what? I'll probably watch that movie a ton more times on cable just because it's so bad. And you, you very hilariously said, I never want to see that movie again. <laughs> yeah. And I agree, with, I agree with you at the time, but I'm kind of have to go, go with my original statement where I can't wait to watch this like eight more times. I kind of agree with you, Richard. I want to see it again and just make fun of it. Have it on mute and just make up lines. Well, yeah. yeah, it needs we it needs just... to be mystery science theater so bad. I mean, it's it's that level yeah. of a of a at least from a a script and a filmmaking standpoint, it's it's a it's almost a B movie. It is that bad. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it yeah, it's um, a B movie with a butt. Yes, it's a movie exactly. Like like Jingle Unchained, which is our first episode on this podcast, um, was. It's a movie for movie lovers. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's everything that you could want in a in a movie. It gives you everything. It's entertaining. It's funny. Um, this movie, to me, and I, and I've just thought about this in the past few days. This movie is almost as if it's for people who have never seen a movie before. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, you've never seen a movie before? Well, here, see, now you see me, and then now you can see all the rest of the movies that are out there. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it treats the audience like they're so stupid. Well, and that's, that, I think that's what, that plays into what I said at at the, the outset of this episode is it's, it is made for people who don't get to go to see movies very often, which, which frustrates me because I, I feel, 
you know, when I write a review, my whole point is I, I've always written to that person, you know, to the person that only gets to go out once or twice a week or once or twice a, a month to see a movie to tell them, go see this movie. Don't go see this movie. This is the exact type of movie that I try desperately when I write a review to tell people, do not see this movie because it's such cheap, crappy entertainment, but it will it will try to bait you into feeling like just what you said, kid, just exactly like you said, like you've if you've never seen a movie before, like this is a good movie. And it's not. It's from every technical standpoint, this is a garbage movie. It's total garbage. And that that I mean, it makes me honestly, it makes me hate it more because of that, because it is slightly entertaining just enough to pass that the lowest level of audience approval. You know what I mean? Right. No, I totally agree. Or, and, and let's and, go ahead. Richard, and unlike sorry. Fast and the Furious, which is succeeds because it's self-aware. Right. Uh, this movie's not self-aware at all. No. And no. Uh, it doesn't get that it's bad. It tries really hard to be like Inception or something that's really trippy. Yeah. And it's not. No, it's not. It's not that. It reminded um, me a lot of... of uh, have you ever seen Kane? the movie? Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The movie Jumper with Hayden Christensen from like 2008, oh, yeah. I think. Yeah. It had a lot of similarities to me, and that movie is, is just horrible too. So way to go, guys. You've put it in great company. You're, you're in the same class as Jumper. Um, man. Why, why was Hayden Christensen not in this? That's my real question. This is a perfect that, vehicle for him. That's a great question. Wasn't a big enough star. I mean, this, this is a movie for stars, guys. Yeah, the Just budget was like seventy-five million. Jeez, um, they'll make it back. They'll make. They oh, they make totally that. will. They yeah, they've already made like thirty-five or forty. So I mean, it's going to make money, but man, it should end some careers, honestly. Um, uh, movies like like the Ocean series, which we've we mentioned on the show, um, they they they're grounded in reality. Is what makes it great. You know what I mean? It's like, wow, this stuff could be happening right now and nobody would know it. You know what I mean? These type of capers yeah. and things. The, now You See Me could have stuck to that mentality. Yes. And it might have succeeded at doing that. But it take they take this movie to a supernatural place. Yes. That yes. is absolutely... <laughs> it ruins everything. Like the, new, yes. like the scene in, in New Orleans when they're... Stealing from Michael Caine. They're stealing money from him by pointing a flashlight at yeah. a card <laughs> and then numbers appear on the card? Yeah. That's yeah. that's how they do it? Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like... <laughs> that, yeah. yeah. I won't even you mention know, the end. I just, want to, I just want to hear your thoughts about that. Oh, right. the, uh, the, 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 the reveal... No, uh, talk to me about the uh, the flashlight uh, caper. That that was just the oh. some of the work. And the, the people are standing up. Oh, my bank account says yeah. ten thousand. Oh, mine is forty thousand. <laughs> it's just the worst thing. So cheesy. So yeah, it's so cheesy. So poorly written. And, and then the, it's like they did. I'm a Fisher like floats in that movie. bubble. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. What is that? It's like they did everything in the movie on one take, and we're like, "Yeah, that's good. We're not going to yeah. try to to make that any better. That's, that that'll work." Honestly, this is <laughs> this is how I felt coming out. It made me want to see 
the <laughs> it made me want to see the incredible Burt Wonderstone, which I totally thought looked like total crap when it was out in March. And was like, I don't want it. I don't want anything to do with that movie. And was just like, I'll just wait for now. You see me because we didn't know how bad that was going to be at the at the time, obviously. Um, and it was like, well, there's two magic movies coming out in the same in two month span, so I'll just I'll just wait for that one. It made me want to watch uh, the Incredible Burt Wonderstone, just hoping that it because it's got it can't be it, it's got to be better than this. It's got to be. Yeah, there's no way it's worse. No. Uh, and why I, is Hollywood thinking we want to watch movies about magicians? I don't know. That's the that's the, that the premise of the movie is because guys, Chris Angel is pretty awesome. Ugh. I mean, he's, yeah, I ran. He's my I, idol. I ran security for him. I ran security for him. Uh, he showed me how he does all his tricks. <laughs> nice. Oh, oh man, uh, that, guys, that was the best part. That, that was the uh, that was the best part of our experience seeing it was meeting that guy. Yeah. So, is um, this the worst movie you guys easy. have seen this that year? Far- um. Yes. No, I'd I'd put a movie called The Internship up there too, uh, which. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about. Maybe we won't. Um, but I wanted to mention the end, uh, the supernatural ending. Uh, so movie starts out with the four horsemen getting these cards, right? These playing cards, which attract them to an apartment, and then the floor fills with liquid, and then we don't know what happens after that. <laughs> right. But um, so at the end, they all meet up. And they put their cards together, right? And the card, yeah, the CGI takes over, and the cards like float (laughs) in midair, and then come together to form this like shape. What what does it? It, I don't even remember. It's an eye. It's an eye. An eye. Okay, it's an eye, guy. That's that's sweet. Uh, And then like a carousel comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And um, and and they're all. Hey, best part of the whole movie, Mark. Mark Ruffalo reveals who he is, and then he <laughs> he's standing next to the carousel that's already spinning, and he he just kind of nonchalantly hops onto a carousel and and kind of rides away, and they're all amazed that he's able to hop onto a moving carousel. Like they all just have these, <laughs> yeah. these looks of shock and awe on their faces that oh man, that guy knows how to jump onto a moving carousel. He's up to like fifth grade level of ability to walk. That's awesome. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys just robbed thirty banks because of this guy's help. Yeah, and like uh. escaped, tur- literally turned into money when you escaped. Yeah, and you're yeah, impressed that he can hop on a moving carousel. <laughs> hi, hi. I mean, um, Brian, talk to me about Melanie Laurent from Inglorious Bastards. Uh, man, I love An Melanie Academy Laurent. Award yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, she's tremendous and. You know, her her. She was part, my favorite part of this movie. Yeah, she, her, I, didn't I was think gonna she say was her part in the movie is fine. It's just that, like almost every other character in this movie, there's no reason for her even to be there. She literally yeah. serves no purpose. Um, just like Isla Fisher, just like Michael Caine, pretty much just like Dave Franco. I mean, this really could have just been Jesse Eisenberg and Woody Harrelson. There's no, there's really no reason for for any of the other, and, and I guess Mark Ruffalo. There's no reason for any of the rest of these people to be it. Anyway, she was fine in what she's doing, but yeah, right, right. And she midway, was through, midway through, they they hint at her being yes, involved yes. with the four yes. horsemen, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Hopefully that that was yeah. what happened. And the rest and of the movie is Mark Ruffalo trying to figure it out, but then yep. they just dismiss it immediately. You know what yep. I mean? Yeah. And then she's pointless. 
It was and, just for a love interest. And the movie ends, literally the last scene of the movie is Mark Ruffalo and her, like, kissing. Yes. For, like, yeah. Like, that, like, like, <laughs> it's, yeah, like why would the audience care what Mark Ruffalo is up to after? Yeah, no one, after. exactly. No, there's no reason for you to care whatsoever about his character whether revealed or not revealed, there's no you don't care. There's no reason to get into that. And why in the world it should end on on their like it's like it it was like the <laughs> it was like the movie wanted us to feel the way feel towards Melanie Laurent and Mark Ruffalo the way we felt towards like Jim and Pam on The Office or Ross and Rachel on Friends. Yeah. Like, oh, finally <laughs> they got together. No, I don't give a crap. There's an, I, it's so bad. I, I'm it's pissed so bad. at her. She could do way better. Yeah. Yeah, his character's basically a caveman. You should probably do better than that. I don't. Yeah, like man. that cool, that cool black guy you were with in *Inglorious Bastards*. That guy. Was, yeah, yeah. Hey guys, remember, that guy. remember when Common was in this movie for? Yes, we talked reason? about that. That's yeah. the funniest one to me because that part is literally like he's not a four horseman. They don't heist him. They literally just paid for Common <laughs> yeah. to do that symphony thing whenever – because what – the other thing, that's another thing I'm going to read into it. Such a cheap and easy conceit yes. narrative-wise to have a character that can just hypnotize people and whatever. So right. like there's never any threat because like let's say the Four Horsemen did get caught and all these people did draw their gun, Mark Ruffalo and co. Couldn't right. Woody Harrelson just go – and they would all start playing symphony, right. and they could just walk away. Right. Like, if right. you have a guy with that power, why are you running? Because uh, right. that guy can just—he's pretty much a demigod at that point because his his uh, you know uh, hip hypnotic skills are, are are better than you know uh, Jennifer Lopez is behind or something. I I, I don't know. It's just like that was a really yeah. weird late early two thousands <laughs> reference, but yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know why I went there. I'm tired. Because but discussing this anyway, movie from the block. Film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. But I don't – yeah, it's so – and yes, and then you literally can pay any actor any amount of money. It's a, it's a two-line two part. It's, you know, it's just this random police chief on the FBI task force. Could be played by anybody that's played a corpse on Law & Order. Doesn't right. matter. And you're right. like, nah, let's, let's play three or four million and get common. Right. Um, why? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Great for comedy. I think that's just a good word to describe this movie. Why? Well, yeah, yeah. Seriously, stupid. Yeah, stupid. And it, no, it did beat but... After Earth. Let's talk about that. Um, it's uh, After Earth yeah, flopped, that's... and talk... now you see me made more money than that. So Jesse talk Eisenberg apparently has more box office pool than Will Smith now. So <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's um it's crazy. Yeah, uh, I'm excited crazy. to talk After Earth whenever we get a chance to to do that full on because it's man, there's there's a lot of stuff that can that we yeah. uh, we need to discuss. But um, uh, I mean, okay, go I ahead. Sorry, say, Richard. We go on, and because uh, I saw After Earth today, it's much better than Now You See Me. Yes, I totally agree, and it's not a good movie. So that no. should tell you how bad. We'll now spoil you see that, me is. but yeah. Right, it's, um, it's a much better movie than I used. That's actually good to hear. I, I, I actually do kind of want to see After Earth just because I'm curious, and I will. Um, but Brian Gill, let me ask you this: grade for Now You See Me. I try to reserve my, <laughs> I try to reserve my F grades for movies like 
movie 43 that I couldn't even finish and things like that. So I will give it, I will give it a D. Okay. Richard Barton, great for now you see me. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, a D, a D. D. I mean, I'd be and, uh, really pissed. Brian's a trooper for paying for it. A D minus, probably. D minus. I'll go D too. Throw some D's on that. Um, so that's our grade. What? Now you see me. Is D. Yeah. Don't see um, it. Please don't see it. I mean, D wait for, for don't. it to be on. Yeah. It, it's totally going to be on TBS like 17 times in a weekend. So just wait for it then so you can just make fun of it. But don't give it, don't give it your money. Please don't give it your money. It's so bad. It's just so bad. If you, if you I, need I, to, if you really want to see it, all we ask is that you buy a ticket for Fast and Furious 6 <laughs> right, and then right. go watch Now You See Me. Yeah. yeah exactly. Or like a, a little independent movie. Like buy a ticket for Mud and then go see Now You See Me yeah. or something. Like get, yeah. give your money to the there right people. This is, this is not – we don't need them to get any more money. Yeah. Um, so I guess that about wraps it up for Now You See Me. I'm sure we'll bring it up again because it's already become uh, a classic classic movie to talk about here on the Mad About Movies <laughs> podcast. Oh, and I'm sure we'll have a lot more uh, stuff to say in the future. Uh, but for now, let's move on to Weekly Recommend, shall we? Sure. Uh, Brian Gill, Weekly Recommend. Yeah, I uh, a movie came out uh, today, actually, uh, on uh, DVD and Blu-ray that was the uh, first movie I saw this, this, this year, of this year, that I actually really liked. And so uh, I, I think I talked about just a little bit before, but I want to recommend uh, the movie Warm Bodies. Uh, it's definitely worth picking up uh, as a rental or online or whatever you're going to do. Um, it's very, very fun, very, pretty smart. Doesn't take itself too seriously um, and has some some great scenes, and uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. So check out Warm Bodies. Great, Richard Barden, weekly recommend. Yeah, yeah I had the. Uh, the- the girlfriend watched the movie a couple weeks ago, and she said, "We, you, you really need to watch this. I think you'll really uh, dig it." And uh, that movie was. Now you see me. No, um, it was. <laughs> and now we're uh, broken up. <laughs> yeah. No, I killed, I murdered her. Um, <laughs> no, no, the movie was a little movie. Well, it's kind of a little indie movie, but with a pretty great cast um, called uh, Friends with Kids. Have either of you yeah. seen Friends with Kids? I have. Is it yeah. uh, Paul uh, Rudd? Maybe. No, it's uh, it's, it's John Hamm, and John Hamm and John Hamm's longtime girlfriend in real life wrote and directed it, and also stars in it. Uh, Adam Scott, Kristen Adam Wiig. Adam Scott, that's who I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah. Adam Scott, Kristen Wiig, uh, Megan Fox, uh, Edward Burns, and Eddie Burns in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Maya Rudolph. Yep. Oh, yeah, Maya Rudolph as well. Sorry, pardon me. Uh, really kind of a, a very original movie. Uh, some some cringeworthy parts, some really funny, interesting parts. Uh, overall, I, I'm really glad I saw it. I uh, really liked it. Um, I, I find uh, this is weird. Um, Megan Fox is beautiful. Like, is like more beautiful now than she ever – like, since she had that kid, she's gotten more attractive to me. She's not like a trashy teenager anymore. She actually looks like a – a woman, I was kind of transfixed by her in this movie. She's as one I of the few good things about This Is 40, I'll yes, say. Yes, and she looks totally. great in that, too. And the funniest thing about This Is 40 is the whole thing is, like, she's the hot one because, you know, she hasn't had to have kids. 
And Megan Fox was like two months off having a kid when she did This Is 40, so that's impressive. Um, But she, yeah, she's really good in this, and her career's kind of taken a random upswing uh, the last year or so. She's doing Ninja Turtles next. Yeah, she's April April O'Neil, so... So good, Great. so much for that. But she had a good run. 2012, <laughs> 2012 was nice to her at least. Uh, but uh, yeah, Adam Scott's great in this. I really liked. Uh, this is Brian will understand because of our love for. So like you know, no woman's good enough for John Hamm. I mean, he's, right. <laughs> he's a god. Right. <laughs> and so yeah. I would always see them together, and I, I always put myself in. It was like. I was John Hamm. I would be just cloning it every night. I mean, what is this guy doing? He's had this the same girlfriend for like you know fifteen years, and she's pretty. But I mean, come on, it's John Hamm. I mean, look at this guy. Um, <laughs> but she was really charming and uh, really, yeah. I, I think, a real talent uh, in this movie. Uh, and her acting's great. And Adam Scott and her have have wonderful chemistry, and it's just a cool, interesting little twist on kind of a romantic comedy that I liked. So, friends with kids, sweet. Um... I'm over here in London taking a film class, and we have been watching two movies, um, one of which I'll mention right now for weekly recommends. Um, it is directed by the late, great Stanley Kubrick. It is um, came out in 1964, and it is called Dr. Strangelove, or oh, yeah. How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Uh, it stars, stars Peter Sellers in three Three amazing roles, and uh, George T. Scott, who's always great. Um, but man, Peter Sellers, we've been—I've been studying him in depth this these past few weeks, and uh, what a brilliant, brilliant mind and actor mm. this guy was. Yeah, um, totally. Absolutely. The, if you haven't yeah. seen Doctor Strangelove, I mean, Kubrick is everyone knows maybe the best director ever to live. Um, but um, pair him up with, you know. Peter Sellers and it's it's just gold. I mean, every you can't take your eyes off it. You know what I mean? It's his cinematography and direction plus Peter Sellers is just so great. Um, Richard, you seen this movie? Yeah, one of my favorite movies of all time. My favorite. It's my favorite Kubrick movie. Um, as as the resident comedy nerd of this podcast, I mean, I'm, I'm a Peter Sellers nut. Went through a big yeah. Peter Sellers phase uh, in either late high school, early college, somewhere in there. Uh, I highly recommend Kent as sort of an accoutrement to that movie. Uh, Jeffrey Rush played Peter Yeah, Sellers we watched that today. A... Yeah. Okay, great. Cool little Stanley HBO Tucci, biopic. Uh, Stanley Tucci as yes. um, Stanley Cooper. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, kind of a cool, you know, HBO does these little kind of cheapy biopics. Like they, they, they just did the Liberace one with kind of a star-studded cast. So they're not really like full theatrical you know, walk the line or Ray, but they're cool little. And I thought Jeffrey Rush is brilliant as sellers in that. Um, and so, yeah, that's great. And, and, uh, Dr. Strangelove is slim Pickens is in it. I mean, you can't beat some uh-huh. slim Pickens. Uh, it's still a wonderful movie. Yeah. I, I hadn't seen Dr. Strangelove since, uh, until I came over here and man, I it might be one of my new favorite movies ever. It's just, Oh yeah. I can't stop thinking about so it. Fun. It's just so brilliant. So funny. Um, in every every sense of the word, uh, so Great script, I would recommend amazing, amazing script and uh, great story behind that. The, the studio actually wouldn't let Kubrick make another movie unless Peter Sellers was in it. So um, he and the uh, studio actually wanted Sellers to play five roles. He originally agreed to play four, but he couldn't do a Texas accent, so he played three roles. <laughs> um, 
So a little bit of trivia there for you. But um, yeah, great, great, great movie. Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Love. How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Uh, directed by Stanley Kubrick. Um, Brian Gill, let me ask you this. Where can I find your work online? You can find me on Twitter at bgill12 or on my website, uh, canbabiesdrinkredbull.com. Richard Barden. You can find me at Richard Barden on Twitter or at richardbarden.com. Kent, where might I find you online? Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. Um, find the podcast online. I'll mention it again, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. You can contact the show Boom. on there and find all our episodes. So do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Um, go on else? iTunes. Rate yeah. us. Give us five stars. We like that. Leave a comment, and we will pick our favorite comment to read next week live on the air on our podcast. Our favorite ones. Put something funny on there. So let's end the show. Thank you for listening to Mad About Movies, and we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. See ya.